Resting Witch Face, your one-stop haunt, mm-hmm. one-stop haunt, whoops, for all things <laughs> spooky, bitchy, buffy, and more. I was thinking one-stop shop, and I was like, that's not right. No, that the whole point is, it was a whole pun on that, Grant, like the, the brilliance oh. of our tagline that we came up with on the fly when we were recording the first episode, and then just sort of kept saying for 80 plus episodes. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> Um, um, I'm just going to blame the fact that, yeah, good morning. Um, for context, the reason we are giving you some alto realness this um, episode is because Bailey and I are recording bright and early in the morning because <laughs> we couldn't find a time to record at any other time. It's eight o'clock in the morning. We were just in a silly, goofy mood and we were like, yeah. this will be fun. Honestly, we're both. I think I'm going to like this. Yeah, I, we're both early risers. As I told Grant, I, for, for absolutely no reason at all, have been awake since 5.45. So I was I, I was ready to go. And Yeah. Well, oddly enough, I was probably also awake at 5.45 because I've been having just some like on and off insomnia. Where I'll oh. just like wake up at like 3 a.m. for two hours for no reason. I just like lie in my bed with my eyes closed and just like wait for death. Um <laughs> So there's like not an unlikely chance that, because there was a certain, a certain point this morning, I was like, am I just going to be up? Like, will I ever fall back asleep? Is this my life now? Yeah. yeah the truly. thing is that like, we complain and yet I, this is my favorite thing ever. Like I would love to talk to oh, you yeah. about Buffy at any, any time of any day. So this is actually thrilling. I was going to say, it's not actually like that much of a change from our normal routine of just like waking up to one another's text messages normally about oh yeah this television show that we're dedicating a whole season to yes just just like urgent updates about an episode that aired you know 23 years ago that's sort of our Mm -hmm. vibe um yeah but (laughs) hot off the press (laughs) welcome welcome back to um the buffy season hopefully hopefully you joined us last week for a, a i'll say a pregnant episode a very long, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know why I said that. Very long, a long. No, no, it definitely was with child. It was with child. Oh, we, we even made a joke about how it had been nine months for us to birth it. So great. Oh my God. <laughs> Just a call back there. Um, last week we talked about season one of Buffy as well as just a bunch of other topics related to Buffy. Um, but today we're going to be diving into season two, which mm-hmm. I'm so excited about because I think we both love this season. Oh, for sure. I think that season two is, I think, often regarded as like where the show became what it mm-hmm. was. Um, 100%. You know, obviously, as we discussed at length last episode, season one is super cute super campy, mm-hmm. sets the stage, all that good stuff. But it has a definite, definitely like a different tone to it. And it's still trying to find its footing in terms of like the balance of humor and um, mm-hmm. horror and sex. 
Mm-hmm. This is the this is the first season that really introduces sex. Um, True. I feel like really from the like from the jump in season two, it just feels mm-hmm. like the show just like knows more what it is and what it wants to be, which is just um, mm-hmm. really special. Experience. It is. It, it's pretty rare, I would say, that a show kind of gets better as it goes. And obviously, there's some peaks and valleys through mm-hmm. the seven season arc. But mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays, it's like if a, if a show has like a relatively like good first season, it's like, well, it's over. Yeah, like, it'll I, that never happens, achieve that ever again. That happens a lot. Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at to look at season two in the larger arc of the show. I think we've probably talked about this before, but I, I feel like the way that Buffy is sort of structured is there's like the early seasons and the late seasons. So I sort of do think of season one through three as a group, but especially seasons two and three feel like very Absolutely. much a pair. And then seasons five through seven are like the other group. And then four is really like this transition between the two and which is not the smoothest transition at times, but I think is still a more worthwhile season probably than we've given it credit for in the past. So I think I totally that, agree. And I think that there, I do think the the fandom often is quite split between if you're like an early seasons person or if you're a late seasons person, because mm-hmm. the show does change so drastically. I mean, it's always growing and it's always, you know, becoming morphing and becoming something different, but the vibe and the tone of the later seasons is much more adult, much darker, much more traumatic in many ways. Although obviously <laughs> a lot of that exists in these seasons. I mean, in season two, there's there's so much <laughs> to discuss, but you- Yeah, I there's feel a like, lot of trauma <clears throat> in this season. Yeah, I feel like I've oh, absolutely always been a, a later seasons person. Although I do love a lot of the early seasons. And I, Grant, I feel like you have been an early seasons person, maybe have- enjoy the later seasons a bit more yeah watch so it's it's tough it's a sophie's choice for me i will mm-hmm. say because i think it honestly comes down to like are you angel or are you spuffy well and we know <laughs> what i am <laughs> yes um i think that there's it's, it's honestly it's really hard to pick between because i think like my three favorite seasons are five two and three yeah so like on the one hand two and three but then like skew usurp that and be like oh that I must like the, the high school seasons more mm-hmm. um but I will say upon this recent rewatch I still love season two and I think season two has without a doubt some of the best arcs and some of the best episodes mm-hmm. in the entire series mm-hmm. but there is a lot of monster of the week oh and I I think I mentioned this last episode that like I since I the way I kind of watched the show was in a very weird order and out of mm-hmm. order I didn't necessarily like realize like where like certain like kind of not bottle episodes, but again, kind of like monster of the week. Like the yeah. fact that go fish oh. is right before the finale makes literally no sense. An absolute crime. Like I just want to talk <laughs> to whoever, whoever decided that. Yeah. That's the thing that we, I've been thinking about with seasons two and three, because I do sort of pair them in my mind because there, there are a lot of similarities, but at the same time, the arcs of the seasons are so different. And I think, for, yeah for we really shouldn't enjoy season two as much as we do because of how many bad episodes there are in the season but the larger arc of season two I think is just so extremely strong like we obviously mm-hmm. will get into this but of course we have the introduction of of Spike and Drusilla we have um the Angelus 
transformation mm. and we have like all leading up to becoming, which is obviously like un- unmatched uh, in many ways. Yeah. But then season three, I think has so many good one-off episodes. Like you, like you can just list them there are just so many beloved episodes in season three like well, you know, wish and band candy and shit like that yeah i mean obviously we'll talk about season three next episode but i think again the difference is i think that like season three the kind of one-off episodes are just much stronger yes than um the one-off episodes of season two um but yeah i think that to kind of circle back i think that seasons two and three it's because it's the, it's the high school and because it's like the the metaphors of like growing up and change loom large. I think that there's always going to be a nostalgic factor to those mm-hmm. seasons. Whereas like the later seasons, like again, season four excluded, it's very much like they kind of just like skip over college. Basically <laughs> they're like, all right, yes. now you're an adult and they, they are all your adult they, problems. They tried to put them in college they tried. and they were like, Oh God, no, no, we can't do this. doesn't work. Like, and yeah, I, this doesn't work. I mean, we're not talking about these seasons, but I love in like seasons five, like in season five, when Buffy's like, yeah, I got to go to class. We're like, babe, you're not going to class. Who, who's going yeah, you're to class? Not, who's going, who's no, going no. to class? And by like season seven, they just like, don't even mention UC Sunnydale anymore. No. Um, it's just like everyone drops out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, but yeah, anyway. I think it's too, yeah, season two. Back to um back to season two. So obviously yeah. Yeah, should we just it. like do like a brief Yeah, over? we'll give a brief overview. It's like I mean we know you've all seen it, but it just feels like just to ref- just it's refresh important. your memory. Yeah. Maybe not everyone watches this once every three years, you know, as we do. <laughs> three, like once a year. <laughs> um, like I'm fully planning on gonna have to rewatch this whole series again once we're done recording this, just to like hundred percent ease my pain. Um so season two picks up more or less where season one ends off kind of like season one ended with Buffy dying loosely right. and it's kind of like summer break and they come back and in a brief episode Buffy's exuding some odd behavior and this is a recurring theme in the show which is that no one acknowledges Buffy's trauma and they just expect mm-hmm. her to kind of just like have a stiff upper lip and get over it mm-hmm. um, but I will say in When She Was Bad we do get the iconic scene at the bronze where Buffy oh. and Xander hot. dance together it's, to cheap motto. It's so hot. Unfortunately, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah. It, if you haven't, um, you know, been 13 years old and downloading sugar water off of iTunes mm-hmm. for 99 cents, then you obviously are not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but basically the Scooby gang kind of just kind of reunites and picks up where they left off. Um, Buffy and Angel are in the throes of love there's a lot of, again, kind of these one-off episodes. Um, we were introduced to Spike and Drusilla, who are old pals of Angel, so mm-hmm. to speak. They kind of used to have a reign of terror together. Back I thought you were going to say they all used jealous. to fuck, which I would have. Well, that too. I mean, the idea that Spike and Angel never fucked, they've been around for hundreds of years. Let's be I'm adults sure here. <laughs> there's a reference to it at some point. In Angel, I um, think. Yeah. Yeah. That's Spike and Angel definitely bumped uglies, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, there sure is many a fan fiction exploring that nature. All written by me. <laughs> um, so yeah, as the season starts, it seems like Spike and Drusilla are going to kind of be like the big bads. They're obviously coming to town and kind of causing mm-hmm. some ruckus. 
because I always like knew how they fit into the canon. Like, I'm curious what it was like to watch it for the first time. And were you kind of like, oh, mm. who are these people? Like, are these gonna are they gonna stick around? Like, did you know that Spike was gonna become like this like integral character? I didn't when you first really were watching know. It? I, I really specifically have a memory of this actually when I was watching Buffy for the first time. I had a I when I when I was on season two, like halfway through season two or something, I had a friend be like, Oh my god, like, do you love Spike? And at the time I was like, I mean, not really. Like, cause because like <laughs> he was like this. He's introduced like he is, you know, obviously a very compelling villain from the start, but he's introduced as being like purely a villain. And I remember yeah. there being a very distinct shift in my mind in becoming part two when they when he teams mm -hmm. up with Buffy and you see obviously there's a lot more layers to this character I mean I'm a sucker for like you know a bad boy with a heart of gold which is I don't know if, if Spike has a heart of gold but like this other side to him where like he can be good or he can you know care about other things besides just wreaking wreaking havoc in Sunnydale um, but I didn't know I had no idea how far the arc would go with them. Like I was shipping them from that moment on, but I mm -hmm. sort of assumed the show would not give it to us nearly as much as it did. Like I thought they might like hook up once or like there would just be like ongoing sexual tension or what I didn't realize that he would become really like one of the major heroes of this story, which we can talk much more about, about his arc. But, um, I think a lot of people probably know this, but James Marsters was not meant to be a major part. It was not meant to be a series regular. And there's a storied history of how that came to be. But I believe that he was brought on um, for just a three episode arc or, or like a, a few episodes to be like this sort of fake out villain with Drusilla. Um, and one of the reasons why he stuck around was that he like, he said he really played up the love story between himself and Drew because he knew that if he just if he was just a villain that didn't have any other layers to him that he, that no one would care to keep him around so he was like doing mm -hmm. everything he could because he needed the job um doing everything he could to like really make his character more meaningful to the series and the way that he did that at the time was through Drusilla um and obviously I think we can talk about this more but I think there's so many moments where you can obviously see the chemistry between him and Buffy and oh, yeah. there's a ton of unintentional foreshadowing there's a ton of unintentional parallels or per perhaps intentional parallels with later seasons um but yeah so he you know sticks around for the rest of this season and then later on when Cordelia leaves the show to go to Angel they felt like they needed to sort of replace that dry wit so they bring in Anya to some degree and they but they bring in Spike as a, a series regular in season four and then is on the show for the rest of the run but um yeah obviously Spike is my favorite character I don't know if that's been made clear we have many things to talk about with his arc and I completely understand there's a lot of there's a lot of, that's problematic there but at the same time I think he's one of the most like masterfully written character transformations that I've seen on television so yeah, more on Spike, much more on Spike to come. Um, but as the season progresses, things kind of start to shape out in a very unexpected way. Well, first we're introduced to, we're really introduced to a lot of like kind of pivotal characters this season between mm -hmm. Spike and Drusilla. Um, we meet Oz, who mm -hmm. um, 
sweet, unsuspecting Oz, um, who he's, he's becomes, very underrated. I feel he yeah, is no, for, oh, for sure, sweet angel. Um, he becomes a love interest for Willow, despite the fact that he's also a werewolf. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, we meet Kendra, who is another vampire slayer who was called to action after Buffy briefly died. Mm-hmm. I find Kendra to be a very underutilized character. hundred percent. I mean, she's one of the only significant people of color in this series at all. She's killed off like immediately in the most... Mm-hmm unceremonious way with a fingernail like what yeah, what the- <laughs> more embarrassing like sh- <laughs> and like the, death by and, acrylic like literally and forced forced to do the worst jamaican-esque accent the entire time for no reason like even though we don't no even reason. know where she's from like they just were like this is we should do this and everything that i've read is has told me that like they decided she was going to do this accent like her first day on set. And she was like, um... And it shows. It sure does. And that is not her fault. That's not Bianca's fault. She's... No. <laughs> she's doing her best. But like, I mean, I... Yeah. And and also just... I don't know. if it's It seems a little bit strange to me that... It feels like Kendra and Faith didn't necessarily need to be two different characters like if they wanted Mm -hmm. to have a second slayer who is a foil to Buffy like just have the one well that's kind of how I kind of have reconciled her arc in my brain is I think they brought her in and they're like okay like it's a standard like three episode arc Mm -hmm. um just to acknowledge the fact that you know Buffy when Buffy died there was another slayer this obviously this concept of new slayer is really interesting Mm -hmm. but then they killed her off because I feel like they were like not that they needed more death this season. Um, more on, you know, rest in peace, Jenny Calendar, but more on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and my guess is that then when they were starting to craft season three, I bet they were like, oh shit, like we could yeah. have done something more here. Whereas then it was very easy to bring in Faith to be the true mm-hmm. yin to Buffy's yang. And I do love that device of them mm-hmm. realizing like, okay, Buffy did die for five minutes. So technically another Slayer would be called. And I do... I do love that. And obviously we'll talk more about Faith in season three, but um, yeah, in general, they did not do, they did not do a great service to Kendra. No. Um, um, besides getting another, Mr. Pointy. Yes, Mr. Pointy. That, that is her legacy. Another example of Slayers being, I guess we, I don't know if we talked about this also because we learned obviously that Spike has killed several Slayers and right. one of those Slayers and also with Kendra, they kill them and don't drink their blood, which makes literally no sense to me. If the I whole know. point is that the Slayers have like this like superhuman, like u- uber blood. I that's it's it's interesting that that's not really explored. I'm I'm rewatching True Blood right now of uh, mm, again, mm-hmm. um, and that is the 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 suck the exchange of blood is much much more of a plot point in that series. And I'm not saying that. Buffy necessarily needs to dive into that more, but we don't really get the feeling that like, do we ever like, do you know that the way that like Sookie Stackhouse has this like extremely powerful blood because she's like part mm-hmm. fairy. We, I don't think we ever get the sense that Buffy has, has like, or this, or that slayers have this blood that's particularly attractive to vampires. Well, there's, 
when Angel drains sure. Buffy's blood in season three, I think there's some implication that he like clearly like, just like can't help himself. And then when the master bites Buffy, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, the power. Okay. <laughs> so, that's interesting. But I, it's, I, it's, yeah. it's a blip. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's just yeah. something interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we meet, um, as I mentioned, Oz and Kendra. It's also worth noting that Bianca Lawson is playing a high schooler here in 1998. And we'll go on to play a high schooler again in, I think, like 2009 or 2010, whatever, in Pretty uh, Little Liars. And good for her. Like, honestly, congratulations, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to convincingly play a uh, high schooler two decades apart. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it would roughly 10 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we get a, a mirage of one-off episodes where Buffy is fighting Various things such as Inca mummy girls and Ugh. reptile boys and Ted. Ted, I think Ted may be my least favorite episode in the entirety of the series. I I don't watch it anymore. I, I don't it's, know why I, it bad. bothers me so much. It's, well, it's it's the it's a trope of I get really annoyed when characters are right and other characters don't believe them. Yes. Also the the. I mean, we'll talk. We we'll talk about best and worst episodes later. But yeah. just 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 because we're talking about it, Ted, in Ted, Buffy's mom like does not believe her daughter when she basically says that like her new boyfriend is like physically abusing her. Right? Like mm-hmm. that's what the episode is is about. I haven't oh, seen for it sure. in a long time because I hate it. But like, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's it's a hundred percent just like. A metaphor for abuse and the fact that like no one believes her and like the fact that, like again like this like pattern where where Buffy who's like 99% of the time right literally always and, right <laughs> and she's like telling like all of her friends like something's up and they're like no but he makes cookies like he's so nice just like be mm-hmm. happy for your mom <laughs> um yeah this this show had some growing to certainly some growing pains in season two for sure like and yeah. the character of Joyce like has a long way to go um as well yeah i think that the pivotal moment for joyce is of course when she finds out that buffy is indeed a slayer yeah because i think any of her episodes prior she's truly just like the most oblivious Mm -hmm. just like loser 100 percent. i mean some some really iconic scenes in becoming part two with with her and spike hanging out like her joyce and spike's relationship is is Mm -hmm. one of my favorites in the series I will say that I really appreciate the line in Becoming Part 2 when Buffy says, like, like how many times have you, like, washed blood out of my clothes and, like, never asked? Like, mm-hmm. just kind of, like, acknowledging that Joyce was kind of, like, blissfully ignorant and just yeah. like, kind of chose to not see what was going on as opposed mm-hmm. to just being like, I had no idea. Also that, that sorry, we're jumping around so much, but that that conversation yeah, in in Becoming is also very much a coming out metaphor as well. Mm, interesting. When you go back and watch it, like the parallels are explicit. Um, That's such a good point. Yeah. With, and, and, and in the way that the, the, that Joyce like clearly does know something. Yeah. Have you ever tried not being a vampire? Exactly that. Exactly that. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Buffy continues to be just queer. I know. Legendary cinema. I know. Um, um, but I, we should also say that in the larger arc of this season, of course, like one of the major, major um, plot points is 
angel and his and his transformation into angelus yes. so we, ha- yes. we should so, talk about that <laughs> no of co- no of course well that's what it's getting to we're going through sorry season- <laughs> Heck, no i know we're like literally jumping around but kind of at the halfway point of the season just when you feel like you feel like we're in some sort of rhythm of these kind of monsters of the week uh, waiting for the shoe to drop that shoe certainly does drop in the two-part um classic two-part episode surprise and innocence mm-hmm. um which according to imdb aired like on two nights back to back i have heard that mm-hmm. um where buffy and angel finally boink for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. and in the true metaphor the of sex time. yes well, uh well well not well. an angel okay um yeah the true metaphor of that sex turns men into monsters mm-hmm. angel achieves achieves moment of pure happiness right which like is so funny to me because like it's obviously it's implied that it's like an orgasm of course but also, <laughs> but it's also like also learn that it's a spe- specifically an orgasm with buffy with buffy which is like i just have <laughs> because i'm so a pervert i just have like so many questions because also the sex scene is like the most like cloak and dagger just like various shots of skin and like weird like breathy moans no thrusting um not her holding her cardigan up to her chest yeah (laughs) being like i know we're fuck we're actively fucking but i my modesty (laughs) yeah um so yeah my question is like did he pull out like (laughs) no why why would he why would he? It's it's sort of but well the, what's interesting is that it's not it's not at the moment of ejaculation because exactly. he wakes up later and is and like oh then shit. He wakes sorry, and to be clear, wakes up naked, then puts on many layers of clothes, uh, like uh, two shirts and a jacket, pants, shoes to run outside into the rain, into the rain. And, yeah. and, ex- and exclaim to the sky. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it is the the device is messy, but I will personally say that I love Angelus. Like I think that oh yeah, <laughs> I think Angelus is a much more interesting character. I mean, of course, Angel as this tortured character that you know switches between the two of them is a full character in itself. But I think that David Boreanaz also plays Angelus better than he plays angel because especially at this point mm-hmm. in the series angel is extremely just dramatic brooding um and an angel and angelus is he has so much more like he seems to understand his purpose much better for being there like mm-hmm. it is not just sort of you know hiding in corners but is like having fun with it that's the main oh, yeah. thing is like angel is not having any fun at any time <laughs> no angel's quite the fun killer so yeah angelus is obviously like the antithesis of angel whereas angel is very like soft-spoken and mm-hmm. boring mm-hmm. angelus is very conniving and evil and mm-hmm. you really can see that david Brandis was given some material he could really no pen intended sink his teeth <laughs> into <laughs> um and again it's kind of this really pivotal shift where suddenly buffy's you know soulmate love mm. of her life is suddenly now her mortal enemy mm-hmm. and is determined to kill her and all of her friends, but slowly and methodically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really kind of the, obviously the tipping point of the season and what the season is most known for, mm-hmm. you know, leading up to the very epic B 
becoming parts one and two, which I think becoming part two, I think without a doubt could be considered the best episode of the series. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a handful. Yeah. There's in that conversation, but I would say without a doubt, top five, if not top three. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and along the way, there's, um, as you mentioned, there's some tragic deaths. Um, this is like the first season that includes major deaths. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, many more to come. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we talked about Kendra, who is unceremoniously, has her throat cut by a fingernail. <laughs> Drusilla, Drusilla's uh, expertly manicured fingernail for some mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> yeah. And then even more tragically, we have the death of Jenny Callender. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles is on and off love interest mm-hmm. slash computer teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> um, slash uh, techno pagan. Yeah, gypsy queen. Uh, so we learn that Jenny is not just a teacher and not just kind of a member of the Scooby adjacent Scooby gang, but she also her her family lineage were the gypsies that cursed. And I, I realize gypsy is probably not the correct yeah, term to use, it's, but it's definitely what they what refer to. It's definitely the what show. they use. Yes. Um, Romani her, people. Yes, her people were the ones who actually cursed Angel with, uh, or cursed Angelus with the soul to be then become Angel. Mm-hmm. And um, in a very tragic series of events, she decodes the original curse to reverse it so that he could get his soul again, mm-hmm. but then is murdered by um, Angel. And actually in this moment, I will say, I have heard this uh, when Angel Angelus kills Jenny, talked about in that like again like why didn't he bite her like why would he just snap her neck and it was Mm -hmm. actually I forget who was commenting on it but it was done specifically that way to kind of show that he doesn't care yeah and it's a very just like callous just like simply for shock value to then of course leave her body in Giles's bed for her for him to find um passion I think is is one of those episodes that's not fun to watch like it's never mm-hmm. like let, let's have a good old time let's put on passion mm-hmm. but it's i think also one of the best of the series and it's really really dark the the scene yeah. where angelus is outside watching buffy and willow get the news of jenny's oh death is God. like s- sends chills down my spine absolutely okay i have two things to say on this yeah please all, i've been talking a lot no no yeah you're i yes i <laughs> this is an an interesting important point where we were talking you're talking about like um, it's strange that we often see the villains not drinking the blood of victims that they've killed. And I think the drinking of the blood does imply it's, it's what they need for survival. So it's, it's less of an, an act of pure evil for them mm-hmm. to kill someone by drinking their blood, because in many ways they don't, vampires don't really have control over that. Although it's never a plot point like with, in Spike and Buffy's relationship that I can think of where he has to stop himself from drinking her blood. Like that, I don't think that ever really occurs, but um, yeah, the, the, the idea of these vampires killing just for sport and not even not caring about the, about drinking the blood, I think is, is very significant. I also was just going to say that (laughs) this is so random, but I have, I'm doing a reading at a friend's wedding and I was just looking around for some common common readings that people do that are like a little bit 
less expected. And one that I came across as a real suggestion on a website was Angel's Monologue from Passion. (laughs) I dare you. That would be... Can Can you even imagine? Yes, that would be the completely on brand and no one would know. No one would know because, well, the whole, the whole thing with, with, in that episode is that Angel has this lengthy voiceover piece where he's talking about what spoken word, spoken word poetry, where he's talking about what passion means in a way that like in, in some ways evokes love, but is also much more about lust and violence Mm -hmm. and just the way that passion consumes um so yeah so i'll be performing that at at a wedding any any day now cannot wait (laughs) just something really Um, romantic (laughs) so yeah all these kind of of tragic events come to a head in the two-part finale where buffy Mm -hmm. is tasked with what she knows she has to do which is to kill angelus um because he he has a plan to open a portal to hell, which is another thing that like also is addressed when when she and Spike team up in this last mm-hmm. last little bit is like why do they why do vampires want like hell on earth? Like what is the point of like unleashing a hell dimension? Like what like what truly what does that accomplish to like end the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I love that scene with with Spike where they where they decide to team up because Spike's reasoning is basically like. Buffy's like, why would you want, why would you want to help me? And and he's basically like, I don't, I don't want the world to end. Like I, I like the world. It's fun here. Like we have cigarettes and soccer and like, yes, he wants to stay on the world's in the world so that he can like continue torturing and killing people for fun, probably to some degree. But I, Mm -hmm. I really always loved that where he says, and this is this is one of the parallels that I've pe- seen people draw many times that like t- truly makes me emotional because at the end of that <laughs> season or the end of that scene, Spike says, I want to save the world. And the series literally ends with him literally saving the world. Yeah. Um, out full, of full genuine love for Buffy and for humanity. So just that alone, the growth is unprecedented um absolutely but yeah i i think season two also is is the first time that we see this um the flip of the big bad as well and not and that's not the not the last time that we'll see that and Mm -hmm. i think that's something people really love about this season as well as grant alluded to that they bring in spike and drusilla and you and you think that they are they're the big bad of the season they're the true evil and it turns out that Angelus is in many ways so much worse. Um, oh yeah. Um, but yeah. Which is fascinating. Uh, oh, for sure. Um, again, leading to this conclusion where this epic fight between Buffy and Angelus while simultaneously Willow, who has is recovering from a head injury in the hospital, but also mm-hmm. has found a floppy disk, an iconic floppy disk left right. behind by Jenny Callender with the, <laughs> um, the, spell to reverse the curse or whatever on Angelus and she performs it remotely mm-hmm. right working from home um, <laughs> working from hospital and uh reinsoles Angelus but it's at the very last moment mm-hmm. um just too late right and Buffy is forced to not you know she was fully prepared to kill Angelus 
Mm-hmm. But in that moment, he reverts back to Angel with seemingly no memory of the, the previous couple months, which seems a little right flawed. But she's does what she has to do and plunges the sword into his chest for him to be swallowed into the hell dimension that he was trying to invoke. Um, yeah. In a true Shakespearean tragedy conclusion to mm-hmm. the season. And I'm again, like, it's no secret that Angel obviously comes back and that right. has, because he has his own spinoff. But when this aired, I bet that was like real crazy. Oh my God. People were like losing their shit. Of course. Well, this is interesting because I, I sort of alluded to this last week where obviously the, the conversation around this show has changed in light of what we now know about Joss Whedon and what we've maybe mm-hmm. known for a long time. Um, and I was talking about how I feel that there, there were choices that were made in this series that I can now really sort of point back to coming from the mind of this man. And th- it, not to say that I don't think, obviously the arc of the season is incredibly powerful. I think, um, the Angela's transformation and Buffy choosing to kill him to save others is extremely powerful and is consistent with her character. But I think that um, one thing I think we're learning about Joss is that he really would sacrifice anything for the sake of the best version of the story, which is mm-hmm. not not necessarily to a fault, but I think it is interesting to look back now on just how sort of problematic it is that he has this 16 year old girl who's lost her virginity to who is ostensibly a 247 year old man yeah who then turns into a monster and like immediately becomes abusive towards her and like it is all it's all in in the name of this metaphor which i think is powerful of like oh once you sleep with them men turn into monsters but the show does does not really give Buffy the time to deal with that trauma, as you said before. Oh, yeah. And it never does, and it never gives no. any of its characters <laughs> the, the time to deal with that trauma. But I don't, I don't know how much care was put into thinking about what this would mean for that character to have to, yeah, lose her virginity to this man, have him immediately turn against her, then have to kill him, then have to <laughs> then then have to forgive him because he's been brought back to life even though he's abused her and killed her friends and and then like it's just expected to sort of just move past that being a teenage girl and they give her like two episodes at the beginning of season three to sort of deal with that i wonder if this is indicative of just like the tv landscape at the time and kind of Mm -hmm. the structure the show had was taking on Mm -hmm. in that again that there were like a lot of monster of the week episodes Mm -hmm. um which I feel like if this show is on today and it was given like, you know, most TV shows these days have like an average of like 13 episodes. Right. Um, I guess some kind of more major network shows still rack up the 22 mm-hmm. episode count. But more often these days we see shows with like even like 10 or eight episodes. Right. I think that there would be, it would, there'd be more focus on that instead of kind of just like filling out the time. And it, that's mm-hmm. kind of what the season feels like, especially towards the end. We have episodes like, go fish mm-hmm. and killed by death and um i mean i love i only have eyes for you yeah um, 
which I actually think does provide some interesting character development in that kind of that saga, the Buffy Angel saga. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they were just trying to like pad the season. They were like, okay, like we need to like add in these like kind of like creepy things instead of just being like at a certain point after Surprise and Innocence, it should have just been all about this. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that Surprise and Innocence happens halfway through the season and then we we still get go fish it's it is extremely egregious like the thought that we would care about the stakes of that episode Mm -hmm. well it's it's interesting because we do see it play out in season six Mm -hmm. when kind of is the other kind of bait and switch big bad season where instead we are suffered we have to like suffer through like 16 17 episodes of thinking the trio was the big bad right and have it you know and then once um there's that switch and it's clear that willow is going to be the grand all evil mm-hmm. that's the sole focus so it's like i don't know actually which i would prefer because it's like right because season yeah season six is also extremely tough to get through and and even like i feel like when when after seeing red it's always crazy to me that there's still four episodes left in the season three or four mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my like how how much more story is left to tell like it that the basically basically like the last fully three to four episodes of season six are equivalent to like what a finale would be of another season like this mm-hmm. the story with willow but um yes i t- i totally agree that they suffered from just yeah having to have all of these filler episodes um but which could have come at any point during the season like mm-hmm. if it were not for like scenes with angelus like you truly could take some of these later filler episodes and put them at any yeah. point in the season and it would not change the overall narrative i guess maybe the fact that like we haven't mentioned that xander and cordelia start dating this season mm-hmm. so i guess that is kind of a and willow and oz so um mm-hmm. you do have those kind of through lines mm-hmm. that would maybe not make a whole lot of sense but um I think that at this point, they're still, they're also still trying to figure out how to give like meaningful arcs to the supporting cast. Not that Xander and Willow are Mm -hmm. even really supporting cast, but they feel more like that in, in these earlier seasons um, before they really have like meteor arcs. Does Xander ever have a meteor arc? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, you know... (laughs) I feel like every season has like the Xander episode, There's, which like focuses six, on him I being th- Joe Normal. I think season I think season six is probably season six and seven. He has a bit more to do, and and what I, and by a bit more to do, I mean leaving leaving his fiance at the altar and then just sort of complaining because she had sex with someone else. Um, but he, I think once they once they come to the realization once once Xander comes to the realization that he is he's not special and that he is the like he is the most human part of this group of people and he sort of embraces that in a way i think that's that's when we get a little bit more from him but um no he's doesn't really ever give us all that much but okay so anyway since since we're talking about these filler episodes we should do you want to jump into like best and worst of the season or like what we feel is overrated or underrated episodes Totally. Um, well, I think it goes without a doubt, at least in my opinion, that Becoming Part 2 is the best episode of the, se- the season. Yeah. Um, but in taking <laughs> the season finale rule out, uh-huh. um, 
again, it's not like a pleasant episode to watch, but passion is so well-structured mm-hmm. and so well-written. And I feel like Jenny's death is an important catalyst. I feel like Angela's needed to kill someone important mm-hmm. to really set the stakes to be much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kendra's death just doesn't hold the same weight. And obviously she's killed by Drusilla, as we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that as we like, I meant to mention this earlier, that whenever like a male character dies in the show, they always get resurrected. Huh. And whenever a woman dies, she doesn't. Except, <laughs> Except for, for Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, I guess Innocence is also obviously a great episode, but then there are a couple episodes that like I find super underrated that are just like fun. Like I think Lie to Me is so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween is really a great one-off episode that shows like how they did like a really good job of just like creating something that's like fun and funny mm-hmm. um and then as I mentioned before I find I only have eyes for you to be a really underrated up mm-hmm. and also kind of fell into that like doesn't really further the plot mm-hmm. but is a cool kind of just like creepy one-off well I and think then- it actually I think it does further the plot in some ways the thing that I like about that episode is that it it combines the monster of the week format but brings in our leads like it has Buffy and Angel playing playing out those roles which I think whenever whenever a a monster of the week episode can can meaningfully um like bring in the characters and tie into the larger season arc in some way it's just automatically going to be better Um, I agree so I I like that episode as well I obviously love School Hard um Mm -hmm because we know we know I love Spike but I also think I, I think it's a really fun episode it's such a fun intro, an introduction to his character um the into the whole the whole fight at the at the school is is a really good time although I don't know what these people are thinking not believing that vampires exist um I guess they do now but uh I also I, I love the scene in school hard where Spike is like stalking Buffy at the bronze, I can hear the song playing in my head that's playing while he's watching mm-hmm. her. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I think the sexual tension has never been higher. It, I, I believe that. Oh, it's palpable. The chemistry between them is immediate um, in my eyes. So I love well, watching sure episodes like that, knowing his larger arc. Yeah, I'm sure that that was a huge factor in keeping Spike around was the, mm-hmm. just the on-screen chemistry romantic or not between Sarah Michelle Gellar and James Marsters. Mm-hmm. Um, they just play off each other so well. Yeah. That like, you can't help but want to see him return. Obviously there's very briefly in season three and then at a full capacity in season four mm-hmm. and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like you said, surprise and innocence is a great two-parter. What's my line? Part one and two is a pretty great two-parter as well. I was like, can you like remember what happens in What's My Line Part One and Two besides Kendra? That's Kendra. Yeah, it's it's when like it's like all of their um, the like career day stuff, and Buffy is mm-hmm. like trying to figure out her future. It's when she goes on the ice skating date with Angel, and then Kendra sees them kissing, and then she like yes captures Angel and puts him in. And it's like all those like various like bounty hunters who are trying to yes, classic yeah yeah, yeah. classic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in terms of bad episodes, there are so many. I've already talked about how, how much I hate Ted and bad eggs. I mean, I was going to say it's worth noting that mm-hmm. on IMDb, 
the worst by far, the worst ranked episode is Bad Eggs, mm-hmm. followed very, very closely by point one point by um, Go Fish. Yeah, Go Fish is so bad, but Xander looks very hot. So, yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of conflicted emotions. Yeah. Um, I will say that that scene where Xander emerges to uh-huh. go swimming mm-hmm. was a true moment of sexual awakening for me. Yes. Um, I'm sure I mentioned that probably like top of the last episode, if not um, in some previous iteration, because it's sure. something that like, it is actually like a, a true moment in pop culture that I can like look back to and be like, I remember watching this as like a 12 year old. I mean, like, oh. Yeah. I mean, he undeniably looks very good. Um, the episode couldn't be worse. Um, yeah, it's, Buff- it's Buffy really is, bad. is dropped into a pool to be sexually assaulted by fishmen. Like that occurs. Mm-hmm. So I, and then, and then it goes right into becoming, it really is so egregious. Like it is unforgivable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, I don't know what they were doing with that one. Oh, another kind of underrated app though, I will say is Bewitched Bob and Bewildered. It's I find pretty that fun. so fun. It's I find, pretty like, fun. It's a trope that we see get played at least one more time in the mm-hmm. series of kind of this like love spell. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in terms of Xander centric episodes, mm-hmm. not that there was like ever like a whole lot of stakes in the Xander Cordelia relationship. Right. But th- there is something just like kind of fun about that episode. I also think Sarah Michelle Gellar looks so good with that like blunt, she looks gorgeous. bleach blonde um, yes. look. And that like little uh, leopard skirt. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in terms of worst episodes, I mean, Ted is really bad and doesn't matter. But I always found bad eggs just be like kind of gross. It's so gross. And it like, doesn't, like, it has a no effect on the larger arc of, arc of the season. Like absolutely yeah. could pluck it out and no one would miss it. Um, I also really hate Kills by Death. I was going to say Kill by Death is a notoriously hated episode. It's just not enjoyable to watch. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's that bad, but it is not fun. Like I hate in the rewatch when it comes up, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to watch this one. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's, you have this momentum, it's coming right after passion. Mm-hmm. So you have this like momentum of the this, this series and like the season arc and like where it's going. And so it's like, oh, we're actually going to put Buffy in the hospital with the flu for a whole episode. Oh my God. Um, any Buffy which, hospital episodes like yeah no ma'am fucking normal again I don't want to talk about it yeah okay. no, no, I don't want to talk about that <laughs> uh, but then also I have to throw out a true problematic moment on the rewatch which is Inca Mummy Girl oh my god <laughs> I don't know what they're going for with that one but the back to back of Inca Mummy Girl into Reptile Boy I, I just you guys you guys I mean the very least, like those two episodes, like some assembly required oh are early enough in the season that mm-hmm. again, the stakes are not that high yet. And then we go into mm-hmm. kind of some, you know, Halloween lie to me, the dark age. Mm-hmm. What's my line? Press one and two. We get, we got like a good, like a good run mm-hmm. of better episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot like, of, there's a lot of bad ones this season. Just And I think, I think that was the biggest takeaway I had in this rewatch is that like season two for a long time, I would have said season two is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think because of the episodes that are so strong and because of the overall arc. But then in this rewatch, I was kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. it takes us a really long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And we go on these like detours that are just like, 
so unnecessary. But I I do get that at this point, the show, I also wonder like, because the show is in its second season and I'm not sure like how well it was doing in the ratings that yeah. in theory, if you have these kind of more like standalone episodes, there's more of an option for a new viewer to kind of just drop in and watch an episode right. and pick up from there as opposed to like, because nowadays I feel like you can't, you can't just start a show like mid-season, whereas right. like before the days of like DVR and streaming services, it was like, okay, like if you missed an episode, like you're mm-hmm. shit out of luck. <laughs> I That was definitely much more of a concern at the time was that like people, people be able to drop in and see one, but I'm glad that they mm-hmm. sort of moved past that as, as the series progresses. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we should, we can start wrapping wrapping things up but I did want to do another round of the brilliant game that I've put together that I'm calling yes. high stakes <laughs> I'm looking forward to this okay I think some of these are hard but okay so the first one is swap one character to die instead of Jenny Calendar who's killed by Angelus in the same way mm-hmm. Ooh, Oz sorry okay. Yeah. I like Oz and I think that he he's not really given a whole lot to do, which, which I know is why Seth he leaves. Green yeah. leaves this leaves the series. Mm-hmm. Uh the werewolf aspect is interesting. And in terms of just like Willow's character mm-hmm. arc, I think her having a significant other who is not Xander mm-hmm. was which more on that next season. Don't mm-hmm. don't get me started. Um I think is good. But I think especially knowing that Willow is a lesbian. <laughs> right. I find that in, in any sort of rewatch, Oz just doesn't carry the same weight. Yeah. Because it's like, we know that he's not going, to, he's not end game. Mm-hmm. So say, I would have to say Oz. Yeah, I think that's a good one. This is This is sort of blasphemous, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is Cordelia. Not that I want to see Cordelia dead by any means, but I think there could yeah. definitely be something interesting in the story if with with Xander's character, if Cordelia mm-hmm. was killed, because I would just rather see that not to say <laughs> this is a terrible way to look at it, but like I'd rather see Xander lose someone he loves than Giles. Like I think that's yeah. honestly the thing that upsets me about Jenny Calendar's death the most is that it's really the, like, we never see Giles fall in love again. Like, it's just over for him, except for with uh, Joyce at one time on the cop car, but like... uh, And Olivia, who pops up in season four. But it's not love. It's like, he he has sexual partners, but I think with Jenny, you feel like there was really something growing that was real between them. Um, and I think because there's already this incredible animosity between Angel and Xander, which in some ways is is sort of unfounded on Xander's part. I mean, like, yes, Angelus does kill Jenny, but before, he hates Angel from the beginning. And I think there could have been something interesting with the dynamic there if I had to choose. But I obviously want Cordelia to be alive and well. So, well, the thing also is like, I'm I feel like simultaneously, if you killed off Cordelia, it would either be like it would make too much and not enough of an impact. I think it would make yeah. too much of an impact on Xander where like Xander would never be able to at least more or less come around to Angel. Not that he ever does, but obviously right. they can be in the same room as each other. Mm-hmm. And I also think that at this point, I mean, Cordelia never is, she's always the most fringy of the Scooby gang. Yeah. And it's 100%. never really, it's never really addressed like 
why she suddenly just like wants to hang out with them. I guess when she starts dating Xander. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like it just like wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same emotional impact on the other characters way that I think because Giles is the, the paternal figure mm-hmm. and is kind of the adult with all the answers to see him go through that extreme loss mm-hmm. is just that much more heartbreaking. Yeah. But There's no easy both, answer. But, but a, no easy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like this answering these questions is not canon. <laughs> um, okay. This is just a, a fun one you get to see one real life artist or band perform live at the bronze. Who do you choose? Hmm. I would choose Phoebe Bridgers. I just feel like she would really fit into that vibe. She'd yeah. be giving, she'd be giving spooky. She'd be giving gay. <laughs> my first, just like off the top, off the top of my head instinct was beach house. Oh yeah. Cause I'm just thinking about, did you ever watch the twin peaks? Re- revival have you ever, yeah have you watched i didn't watch Twin the Peaks revival no um because each episode ends at this club mm-hmm. with some artists playing oh cool and i don't think beach ever beach house has ever won but it's like it's like sharon Van Etten and mm-hmm. like other kind of just like well i also think would have fit well in the, in the bronze but i think the kind of, yeah, that, that kind of a dream pop yeah atmosphere could be could be nice love that okay Imagine Angelus sires one person while he's in his evil state. Which character would you choose to become a vampire and remain a, a vampire for the rest of the series? Because we never see a character become a vampire besides Harmony. Wow, that's a really interesting point. Isn't that weird? That is super weird. Or at least like a significant character. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe Cordelia? <laughs> I mean, hot. <laughs> I, I think would... that she would, she's already like, bitchy and I feel like and I feel like if she because whenever it, it's it's definitely a trope that the vampires tend to just be like a little like like the nastier version of mm-hmm. the original person that it, it'd be kind of cool to see her even even nastier yeah I would say I would say Willow knowing like how cool vamp Willow is mm-hmm. but then at the same time I obviously don't want to lose Willow and the arc that she has um, I don't know. I guess I don't mind that they don't make any of the characters a vampire. That's sort of one of the things that I hate about like Twilight is they're like, we can't be together unless I kill you and then you become undead with me. Like, you know. Yeah, I've never got through all the Twilight <laughs> it's movies. Bad. Yeah, Bella Oops. gets turned at the end. Bella, in oh, fact, she, really? get, she gets turned at the end, in fact, because she's carrying Edward's vampire baby and it's killing her from the inside, but she refuses to get rid of it because of course this is an abortion metaphor um and then she basically dies in childbirth so he has to turn her into a vampire so that she won't fully die great um don't at me if that was not an accurate representation of the twilight series because it was completely accurate um don't at don't at us also because we don't feel like talking about twilight no we won't we we will not engage (laughs) (laughs) um okay last one I didn't really know how to answer this question, but I just want to sort of discuss this a little bit. So you're now in Xander's shoes and becoming part two, holding the information that Willow mm-hmm. is attempting mm-hmm. to bring Angel back. How so do you handle myself. it? <laughs> it's one of the most infuriating moments of the entire series, I yeah. will say. Like it works well. So for context, if people forget or just are listening to this episode, having not watched the show, mm-hmm. um, 
Willow, as you mentioned, Willow is in the midst of doing a spell to reinstall Angel and she tells Xander to relay the information to Buffy. However, when he catches up with her, he says, uh, Willow wants to tell you something, kick his ass. Yeah. So Buffy's going through the entire fight, not yeah. knowing that there's a chance that Angel will be reinstalled. Mm-hmm. So that, which makes it even more heartbreaking in that final moment when she realizes that he's come back to his mm-hmm. old self, but she still has to kill him. So I do think that in the arc of the story, while it's like so irritating, mm-hmm. it does add that like extra emotional punch. And 100%. I do love, I think it's in Selfless mm-hmm. in season seven mm-hmm. where it gets brought up again for the first time at, since that that's what what the message was relayed and, and Willow's like, I never said that. But Buffy still never finds out. No, which is, which so, is frustrating. so weird that he just, I, it always bothered me. I actually think that for the arc of the season in the series, what, what Xander does is what needed to happen because like, it's as simple as if he had told Buffy, she simply could have just like stalled more to give Willow more time and like everything probably would have been fine. But I think like, uh, you know, her, her having to sacrifice the man that she loves is integral to her, to her growth in many ways. So I don't, hate that that's what what happens I just hate that there are no repercussions for Xander I think that's the thing that bothers me so much that Buffy never finds out um he never he never has to tell her or any like there's just nothing that comes of it even when he sees how much she's struggling with the trauma of the fact that she's had to kill him no one is a support system for especially him so that's that's the thing that really bothers me uh oh for sure it's just an example, a further example of Xander just being like a little bitch. Yeah, and Xander the, being, being the Joss Whedon of it, of it all. <laughs> yeah, like the the thing he should have done is obviously to tell her right. what was up. Right. Okay. Before we go, do we want to do our badass bitch of this season? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it has to also be Buffy again mm-hmm. in my mind, just because. I was going back and forth between if it should be Buffy or Willow, because I do think that this season mm-hmm. you also see a lot of growth in Willow and especially mm-hmm. her starting to explore magic, mm-hmm. which obviously becomes a major plot point and theme of her character going forward. But I think that it, what Buffy is goes through mm-hmm. and emerges victorious on the other side, for better or for worse, is like some real shit. Oh, yeah. I obviously could choose Buffy for every single season and she always deserves it but just to just to switch things up and because this is the only season where I can choose her I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Drusilla for for season two because and really more more Juliet Landau's performance of Drusilla which is literally has never been done and never will be done again like what she's bringing is so unhinged just I don't know how this character was born out of this woman, but she is so brilliant and so insane and powerful and sexy and crazy all at the same time. I am obsessed with her and I always wish that we had gotten more Drew. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll say, I'll say that just to have a little fun with it. (laughs) I like that. Great. Um. Okay. okay. I guess that's, I mean, I, there's always more we could say, but I think, I think that's probably all for us today. Um, just a reminder that 
you know, we're going to, we're, we're putting out one episode per season. So there's more to come, but we are going to do a final eighth episode after we talk about season seven, where we just want to have a further discussion based off of listener questions and hot takes and opinions and things like that. So as you're listening to these, feel free to reach out to us, DM us, email us. Um, where can you, want- you DM and email us? Okay, though? you can you can DM us at RW, RWF podcast on Instagram and Twitter, or you can email us at rwfpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and we just want to keep this convo going. So hopefully you guys are enjoying this discussion. Here I realize I don't think we introduced ourselves at the beginning of the episode. You're totally right. And you know what? We're going to keep it a mystery. Who yeah, was this? I mean, I Who just... I just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoy and continue with us on this journey as we talk about this show that, as Bailey put in the first episode, has just become our personalities. Everything Hers especially. It. There's nothing else interesting about me or Grant. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches. Bye, Sorry, bitches. I forgot. <laughs>